You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Church in Huntsville, Ontario. Harvest Church is a community that exists to love God, love people, and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at myharvestchurch.ca. All right, hey, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 is going to be this morning, Luke chapter 12. As you're turning there, we're starting just a, a, a short two-part sermon series, not, not very long, just, just two sermons where we're going to be looking at what does it look like to live in a broken world? When you look around, you can see that our world is not, it, it's not a world that is not broken. Like, like it's, it's not hard to see that there's some tr- tr- struggles and trials and hard things in our world. How do we as Christ followers live in that broken world? It's the world we've been called to. It's the mission we've been given. And so two Sundays, this morning, I'm going to lay a foundation for us for how do we, before we move out on mission, we have to take care of our fears and our worries and our anxieties, get our hearts into a right place so that next Sunday we talk about the mission we've been called to. And so for now, we want to talk about what does Jesus have to say about my fears of this broken world? I mean, I mean, show of hands, and you can raise your hand in church, it's all right. How many of you say, at times, you struggle with worry? All right, that's good. And for those who didn't raise your hand, we will have a sermon on lying. It's coming up in a bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, just look around in our world today, and, and, and uh, if you're like me, you, you, you ask this question, I mean, what is going on? And, and it's easy to be overwhelmed by what we see. It's easy to be filled with fear and worry. A survey was just recently done Um, where they found that in Canada, 33% of those aged 18 to 39 would say they struggle with anxiety. 39% of Ontario high school students indicate they have a moderate to serious level of anxiety and depression. 39%. Another 17% indicate a serious level of distress, where where it becomes hard to think clearly, where, where it begins to affect relationships, where it begins to affect even physically Because we look around, we're asking these questions. Are we going to face a financial meltdown? Can anybody afford a home anymore? Will all the division we see, is it only going to increase? Are there going to be more wars? Is there going to be another COVID lockdown? What do we do with the fact that kids now are being encouraged to remove body parts because they wrestle with their identity? How 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 do we wrestle with that? Is, is racism on the rise? And, and, and here's the thing. Anger and division seem to be on the rise, and, and our media loves controversy. They say this, that, that anger increases clicks exponentially online. It's no wonder that all the news, and, and whether it's, it's left news or right-leaning news, why, why it's so bleak and divisive, why? Because they know we're drawn to it, and we're scaring ourselves to death while media profits off of us. But that's just the broad stuff going on. I mean, across this room, some of you are facing relationship difficulties. Some are in health struggles. Some of you in financial stresses. You're thinking, hey, the summer's almost over, Kai. Thanks for uh, kind of wrecking the end of my summer. I didn't battle with fear and anxiety. I sure do now. Appreciate coming to church, right? And you can add to that stress that we know as Christ followers that that worry is a sin. That right here in the text, look at verse 22 of chapter 12. And he, talking about Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious 
Philippians 4 says the same thing. Do not be anxious, and and yet worry is something we all, nearly all of us do. It, it, It seems to be normal for the human experience. It becomes this acceptable sin amongst Christians, but but here God is clearly saying, this is not the way I intended you to live. So so something so common for us, and, and many of us here, I mean, just through difficulties of our lives where fear and anxiety can come in, and God's saying, no, no, even in that, it's not the way I intend for you to live. So how then? How do we live in a world that's so filled with fear and anxiety? How do we live in such a way where the world would look in on us, on our lives, and they would say, man, I see you live in the same troubled world I live in, but you seem to be filled with hope and joy and trust. So so if, if worry and anxiety are so common and considered sin, it should leave us in this place of being desperate for our Savior. Because here's the good news. As we jump in, here's the hope we have. The good news as we jump into this morning with this challenge of having hope instead of fear, having, having joy instead of worry, having trust instead of anxiety. Listen, Jesus loves sinners. Jesus died for sinners. Jesus transforms sinners. Jesus loves fearful people. He redeems fearful people. He transforms fearful people. Transforming our hearts so that we can, in the midst of fear and anxiety and worry, we can live a life with hope and joy. So if you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 12, let's read the text this morning. It says this, verse 22, and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, they, neither, they have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And let me pray before we jump into this. Um, Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning recognizing our desperate need for you. Lord, our our world does seem very difficult and and it's hard not to worry. It's, It's hard not to be overtaken by fear and anxiety at times. And so Lord, I pray this morning as we open up your word that your word would speak a truth to our hearts that transforms us. 
You promise that your word does not come back empty. And so I pray that this morning, as we look at what you have to say to our fears, God, that we would be transformed, that we would be changed, and we would become like this, this city on a hill, this light that shines out, that people would see us, but not see us anymore, but see the hope we have in you. Jesus, would you be bigger this morning in our hearts and our lives so that you can be bigger in our community and to the nations? And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, here's our first point this morning, and it's a point of reality. It's this, I have good reason to be fearful. I have good reason to be fearful. You look around at our world, and let's be real, we have good reason to worry. So I don't want to start off a sermon like this and say, you have no reason to worry. I mean, here in Luke, the people Jesus is talking to are poor people. They they don't have a health care (coughs) program. They have super limited options to accumulate wealth. I mean, if you think about it, their whole life, their their very lives depends on whether it rains or not. If we have a dry spell here in Muskoka, our grass goes brown. If they have a dry spell, they don't eat and they die. There are things to worry about. Which is why unpacking passages like this is so good for us. And this is one of these Sundays where I have so much confidence that the subject we're digging into is going to be relevant to everyone. Because I know this about you. You worry. You know the same thing about me. That we all battle with worry and fear and anxiety. And I don't know about you, but even when things are going really good in my life, there's this low hum of worry that can be there. Because there's always something to worry about. So let me ask you this. What is it? What what specifically for you this morning would you say, this is the fear that grabs a hold of my heart at times. This is the worry that that causes my my mind to to be controlled by it. I mean, think about it. What what are the one or two or six or a dozen things that, that can grab a hold of your heart and your mind? What are the things you worry about? Is it finances? relationships, your family, your, your future, your health? Is it politics or social issues? What does your mind fear? I mean, right away, Jesus has this to say in verse 32 about fear. He says, fear not, little flock. He says, fear not. Do you know that that's the most frequently, command, frequently used command in all of Scripture? Of all the commands of Scripture, this is the one that's, that's spoken the most. Fear not. I mean, think about that. The Bible written over, over a, a course of a few thousand years by, by roughly 40 different authors from different nations. And fear and anxiety has been a constant across time and culture. One thing's consistent, that, that people can be controlled by their fears. As I say that, before we jump into the text here this morning, what, what do I mean when I say our fears? Like, what is fear actually? When you get down underneath everything we fear, what is actually going on in our hearts? It's, it's said that fear can be broken down into three categories. We fear we're not going to get what we want. That, that's a common fear. It's, it's not going to happen. What I want coming this fall is probably not going to have it, and so we fear. Or we fear we're going to lose what we have. I finally get what I want. I've got this. And now we fear it's going to be taken from us. So we fear we're not going to get what we want. We're going to lose what we have. Or, or we fear we're going to get what we don't want. 
I don't want to be sick, and we fear. Here's what this fear all points to. It reveals what we value, what, what we love, what our priorities are, what our longings are, because you, you only fear losing what you love. You only fear getting what you hate. So it's revealing what our heart is about, what's essential to us, what's primary to us. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is this. If I have good reason to be fearful, why am I fearful? Why do I worry? Why do I obsess? Why do I get preoccupied? Why am I driven? Why do I have panic attacks or brood or get angry or distraught or whatever other way that your fear takes its form? Where does it come from? I mean, the easy thing to point to is this. Say, well, I'm fearful because of that thing. Like, I, I fear that. That's why I'm anxious. Because of the way the world is. Because of the way my health is. Because of the way my finances are. The thing that I'm losing. The thing that I don't see happening. But it's interesting that Jesus doesn't actually go there. In fact, he takes the focus off of looking at ourselves and, and he focuses our attention up to our heavenly father and, and the result we're gonna see at the end of this passage and it's gonna lead us into next week's sermon that when our focus comes off of ourselves and onto our father, our focus then moves outward in love to others. And we live with this hope and this joy as we, as we move out on mission. But to get there, we need to get our hearts in the right place. And so Jesus puts this spotlight on what drives us. What do we love? What do we actually value? In fact, the word he uses at the end of this, he uses this word treasure. You see it in the last verses there in verse 33 and 34 where he says, provide for yourself money bags. Do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where does our fear come from? Here's the first place. Our fear, our worry comes from a faulty foundation. Our worry comes from this faulty foundation. Jesus is saying, hey, be careful what you treasure. Be careful where you put your hope. Because if, if you're putting your treasure in you, and you're, you're worried because, oh no, I've, I've got this treasure and I'm putting it in the wrong place, a faulty place, an unstable place, I'm going to set myself up for anxiety. So, so if I put all my hope into money or into health, or into a certain friendship, or into a certain political party, or leader, or a perfect marriage, or, or success in business, or sports, or, or how my kids are going to turn out. If that's where we put all our hope, listen, it's vulnerable. Our treasure's vulnerable there. Because what's ever precious to you, when it's threatened, we'll, we're, we're gripped with fear and anxiety. Worry comes from this faulty foundation. Jesus goes further, verse 25, to give another clue as to why we worry. Look at verse 25. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So it's not just a, a, a faulty foundation that we put our hope in, but it's also this worry comes from this false sense of control. Worry comes from a false sense of control. He says, how many could add a single hour? The, the original language actually says, how many could you add a, a single cubit? A cubit is a distance from your elbow to the tip of your finger. And he's saying, in the space of your life, how many could add that much more to your life? Such a small thing, just one more step. He goes, you can't even do that little thing. Worries this illusion that we actually have control of all these things. That, this illusion that I'm actually the king of my life. 
If, if only I get my retirement right, then my future's gonna be perfect. If, if only my parents were better parents, then I'd be in a better place. If only I had a better job, then my life would look different. If only my spouse was different, then I would be okay. If only my diet was improved, then I wouldn't get sick. If only I figured out the right parenting technique or the best school, my kids would turn out great. If only we had a, a better government in place. And, and worry assumes this possibility that I actually have control over the uncontrollable. And we live in this illusion of control. And I'm not saying we shouldn't plan or budget or care for ourselves or, or have the future in mind and, or that we shouldn't do things to, to bring change into our world. But listen, anxiety and control are opposite sides of the same coin. And we want to control things because we don't see that God is a good king who Jesus says he wants to give you the kingdom and we don't see that. And so we distrust God as king and so we take over ownership. We take over protection. We take over provision. And, and since we really can't actually have that kind of deep control, we worry about it. Now, Jesus' final comment here gives us one more handle on why we worry. Here in our text, he presses in our hearts again. Look at verse 28. He says, the end of verse 28, he says, Oh, you of little faith. I mean, worry comes from this weak faith. Worry comes from us having a faith that's not strong. Now, now look at who he's talking to. He's not talking to people who have no faith. Verse 22, and he said to his disciples, he's saying to those people who are following him, he's talking to us, true followers, Christians. He's saying, not that you don't have any faith, but your faith is weak. It's, it's like a flashlight with its batteries dying out. For those of you under 25, flashlights are what we used to use before cell phones. We had batteries in the right... And the battery's going dead, and what happens? The light flickers, you gotta kind of shake the thing. You could take them out and spin the batteries and put them back in again, trying to get the, the light that's dull and flickering to get. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you're gripped by fear and worry, it's this, this flickering faith you have. And we're losing sight of God because what we want, what we worry about, is the only thing we see. If, if what we love and, and value and prioritize the most, and, and what we do is we place that right in front of us and we no longer can see our Heavenly Father. All we can see is this trial, this treasure we've placed right in front of our heart. Now, it might seem odd for me to say this, but, but I love that Jesus would actually talk about these things. That Jesus would press in on these things. And, and Jesus doesn't come to us with these fears we have and, and speak to us like this high and mighty God looking down on us puny humans. I mean, I love when he says in verse 32, fear not, little flock. He's not saying fear not, you puny, helpless humans. Like, yeah, I am puny. That's why I'm fearful. No, there's this, this tenderness to this where he says little flock. Like, like a flock so small that, that he knows your name. He knows your personality. He knows your heart's desires. There's a shepherd, he knows what you're facing today. And he's saying, he's saying, listen, God the Father, little flock, little lamb, God the Father isn't reluctant, he's not stingy, he's not hesitant to give you his kingdom, he says. Now we can be tempted to say, oh Jesus, that's easy for you to say. 
in heaven being worshiped by angels. It's not easy living here on earth as a sinner in a crooked, fallen world with a bunch of people that you can't depend on. But listen, Jesus, God the Son, comes into our history, becomes a man, so as it says in the book of Hebrews, that he can sympathize with our struggles. He gets it. He knows it. He feels it. When Jesus is talking about fear and anxiety, he understands it. So when he says, fear not, he understands what it means to suffer. He knows what it's like to die. He knows what it's like to have people slander you. He he knows what it's like to see the world around him that's so helpless and lost and weep over that world. He he knows what it's like to have friends that you can't depend on. In, In the garden when he needed his closest friends the most, they fell asleep on him. He knows what it's like to have someone you love sabotage the relationship, steal from you, betray you. He knows what it's like to be single and alone. I mean, at this point in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is broke and homeless, heading to the cross to atone for the sins of the world. Jesus is not another religious guy with a cushy, comfy lifestyle, buying private jets and giving us principles that they don't even live by. When he says, fear not, he understands. And he's not just giving us something to do. He's giving us a new way of life, a new way to see life. He takes why we worry and he says, I've got something so much better for you. A sure, strong foundation to stand on. So if I have good reason to be fearful, here's our second and last point. I have a better reason to trust. I have a much better reason to trust. I love that Jesus doesn't just talk about what's wrong with us. He's always going somewhere good. So when, when our hearts are exposed and sin is exposed, he, he's trying to open our hearts up. Why? Because he can bring his redemption and his transformation. And he says, here's all the reasons you worry. He goes, I'm going to give you a better reason to trust, to not be fearful. And he gives reason piled on top of reason for us to live our lives with joy and hope and trust. Let, let's look at them. Look at verse 23. He says, your life is more than food and the body more than clothing. He said, listen, your life is more than your fears. Our life is more than our fears. There's so much more to you than what you have or don't have. And you probably know people who have lived for empty things. And maybe you're a little older in life and you can look back and see how silly it is for, for the, the young person to put all their hopes and their looks, look, you know, living for that perfect selfie pic. And you're like, are you nuts? You're going to get wrinkly and saggy soon. Like faulty foundation, right? Or what about athletics? Well, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm super athletic. I'm, I'm gonna crush things. And then, then you get to that age where you're watching sports and the announcer says, oh man, they're 35 years old. They're so past their prime. You're like, what? When did I get that old? Jesus is saying life's more than your bodies. But it's like that with everything we live for or worry about. If you live for money, you're banking your life on sand, right? The car will eventually break down. The house will need repairs. Your life is so much more. There are better things to give your life to and more solid things to put your life on. And there's so much more important going on in your life than the stuff we worry about. I mean, just go through the list of things you worry about. 
Jesus promises whatever that worry is, whatever it is, it's temporal, and I'm offering you a hope that's eternal. And listen, even as seasoned Christians, we can forget that. Here's the second better reason we have to trust. Look at verse 24. He goes on. He says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Listen, our second reason to trust is God cares for you. God cares for you. Jesus picks something so common. He says, hey, look at those birds over there. They're not worried. They're not trying to figure out how do we build little raven tractors to plant seeds? How do we, how do we build a raven food basics so we can buy our groceries? No, why? Because God feeds them. And here's the, the cool part about Jesus pointing to the ravens. He's pointing to a bird that in Jewish culture was considered unclean. Meaning it's a lowly animal. He's taking this lowly animal to make his point. If Jesus were giving the illustration today, he would say to us, hey, look at those raccoons over there, right? He would say, consider the trash panda. And then he would talk about how God takes care. Listen, if God takes care of these scavengered, loud, dirty, pesky crows, he's saying, how much more valuable are you to him? You matter a lot more to God. It's a promise we can take home. He goes even further, verse 27. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? And now, now he's pointing to these flowers, not, not a flower garden, not, not a, something that somebody created, but just in the field, just growing in the grass. No one planted them. They don't get any tending, but God takes care of them. And he goes, these flowers don't toil or spin. They're not, they're not looking on Amazon or Sheen for the next cool piece of clothing to wear. And yet when spring hits and the flowers are in bloom, we love them. They're beautiful. Daisies aren't worried. They're not, they're not worried about, about what they're going to wear. They're not like, does this petal make my butt look big? Like that's not where daisies are going, right? And so, so Jesus, he's taking this care up a level. He's saying, hey, not just your basic needs like a crow. But he's saying this, God's love for you makes you more beautiful than the richest man in the Old Testament. How's that? Listen, if you're a Christ follower, you're clothed with Christ's righteousness, that he covers your sin and shame completely. This promise here is so much more than just God's gonna take care of you. Jesus is saying God will clothe you in nothing less than his radiant glory. He's saying, why are you worried about your health? I'll raise you from the dead to give you eternal life. Why worry about a few dollars? I'll give you the whole world as your inheritance. Why do you worry when someone doesn't like you? I call you my beloved child and I give you my whole kingdom. So he's not saying there's nothing to fear. He's not saying, hey, you're tough. You can get through this. You'll be fine. No, remember, he calls us little lambs. He's saying, listen, as a little lamb, you have a father who loves you. And he happens to be the king of the universe. You're going to be okay. We can fear not. We can fear not with this proper view of God. This, and this, this view of God changes everything. So Jesus is saying, hey, sh shift your focus off of your fears and onto your father. Jesus is saying, if he says little flock, he's saying, hey, life is scary. You're not going to make it unless you're with your father. Then you'll be fine. 
Because your father's the king of the universe, bigger than your enemies. And he loves you. He'll take care of you. And he's generous and he's good. Sandwiched in between these two illustrations, there's another great reason for us not to worry. Look at verse 25 and 26. We've already looked at these, but it says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Here's another reason to trust, to worry is pointless. Worrying doesn't change a thing. There's some stuff that that might be out of control, but God, who is the king, he is sovereign in total control. And so when we worry, what we're saying is, God, I want control. I want to run things. And and it's, it's not wrong to plan for the future, but if you're trying to control it and you're fearful and you're anxious about it, you're putting yourself in the position of the king and that's reserved for God and God alone. What are you worried about right now that's actually in the hands of God? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a relationship and you've done all you can do to reconcile and pray and care. Maybe it's your finances and you've worked hard. Maybe it's a prodigal child that you've prayed for and cared and loved. Maybe it's this coming school year. Maybe it's the whole state of our culture and and where it looks like it's heading. And Jesus is saying, listen, if it's out of your hands, don't be fearful. Be faithful. If it's out of your hands, don't be fearful. Instead, worship the God who is is in control of it all. If it's out of your hands, instead, pray and trust and walk in faith. Life's more than our worries. God cares for us. It's pointless to worry. Here's a, a fourth reason why we have to trust. We have a greater priority. As Christians, we have a greater priority. Look at verse 29. It says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Uh, We have a greater priority as Christ followers. The, The world is fretting about, worrying about all these temporal things, and Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you are a child of God, you don't live this way. Instead, you live for the greater. You live for the eternal. You live for what really matters, and we start to realize that God's placed every one of us in the neighborhood he's placed us in in the school, in the playgroup, in the family, in the workplace. And he's, he's created us and saved us f- so that our lives have something bigger and better than the stuff we tend to worry about and define our lives by. Yeah, we have temporal needs and we need to work and save and eat and pay bills and provide for our future. But Jesus is saying, listen, your father knows you need those. So what are you going to actually be about? What are you going to value? What will you love? What will you prioritize? Instead of worrying when we put our priorities in the wrong place, which causes worry, Jesus says, don't worry. Instead, seek. Look upward. When we look upward, we'll start to see outward. That's the invitation. Instead of worrying, which is looking in and just looking around at our stuff, he says, seek the Father. Look upward. See his care. See his love. See his covering. See his sovereign protection. And you'll see the greater mission around you when you, you have this eternal hope and see the eternal reward and to see that you can trust your future into the hands 
of a sovereign, loving God. When you believe he's a good father. In fact, that brings to our last reason that we can have trust and joy and hope. It's this, I have a greater father. I mean, this is where all this seeking leads to, that that we see God as greater than our worries, that his love and his care is so much more than what we worry about, that when Jesus, who gave his life for us, when we see that, when we see the cross, we hold on to that truth over all the things that we would worry about. That Jesus was crucified so that we wouldn't need to be. That Jesus was cast out. He was stripped naked. How do you know he loves you? You see the cross again. How do you know he'll take care of you? Because he gave you the kingdom through his very life. And so we come into a dilemma, when we come into a crisis of thought, a situation that's so difficult to get our minds wrapped around and it could lead us to fear, we have a choice to make. Am I gonna let the circumstance rule my heart and my mind and my feelings and my actions? Or am I gonna let the evidence of God's love for me in Christ rule my heart? rule my mind, rule my feelings, rule my actions. See, the first choice leads me to worry. The second choice leads me to love. The first choice requires nothing of you. You just gotta go with it. The fear just takes a hold of you. The second choice requires some action. It requires us to worship God, to to faithfully and prayerfully seek the Father in faith and in trust, to surrender to who he is and what he says about me. I mean, that's the fight. The fight is this. Do I really believe that God is king? Not me. Do I really believe what he says about me in Christ, that he loves me, that he cares for me, that he protects me, that he provides for me, that he includes me in the family, that my fear and my shame were taken care of on the cross? Listen, if Jesus reached out to you when you were his enemy, certainly he's reaching out to help you now that you're his child. So this morning, we're going to respond with focusing our hearts on the cross, on Christ's love for us displayed on the cross by by participating in communion together. So I'm going to call the ushers forward. They're going to hand out the communion. Um, There are cups that are going to be stacked on top of each other. The the bread is at the bottom cup, so grab both cups. The worship team is going to come up as well. Listen, as as the ushers pass this out, here's what I want us to do. They're just going to begin to hand it out right now. And as they do, I want us to think about this. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, A man who has no control over his spirit is like a city broken into and without walls. Let me read that again. A man who has no control over his spirit is like a city broken into and without walls. Proverbs 25, 28. So then how do we grab a hold of our hearts, when, when, when fear and anxiety seems to have tear, torn down the walls, when, when fear and anxiety is in the streets of our mind, when nothing feels safe or certain. Well, because fear and anxiety are common to everybody, we need to approach it with a plan. And so as you focus your heart on the grace of God, as we hold on to the cup, his representing his blood poured out for us and the bread representing his body given for us to do what Jesus calls us to do in these verses, to to consider something greater than our fears. Here's what I want you to do. With the cross in front of you, answer this question. 
what good reason do you have to worry? Name the fear, like identify it this morning. What are you worried about? What, what are you anxious about today? What, what do you fear losing? What do you fear getting? What do you fear not getting? What is it that makes you anxious this morning? Name the fear. And now with the cross in sight, answer this question. What better reason does God give me not to worry? Which one of the promises laid out here in Luke 12 do you need to grab a hold of today? Which one of those promises grabs your heart? That, man, life is more than this worry. Man, I know God cares for me. He demonstrated it for me by, by sending his own son to die in my place. Man, I know that this worrying is pointless. I'm not changing anything. I'm, I'm borrowing fear from the future into today Then it doesn't change a thing. Or maybe the promise you hold on to is I have a greater priority as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I know I've got a greater father. So w- with that fear identified, and with the truth of God's word laid over that fear. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take it to the Lord now. Thinking of, Jesus, you gave your life for me to be set free. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. To cast means to, to hurl it on Christ. To, to throw your cares on the Lord. I think often we think of casting like fishing and we, we do that with our fears, right? We cast them out and we hold on. And then we kind of reel them back. The command is to throw it, to let it go. And I love that it's this ongoing casting because I don't know about you, I can sometimes hurl my fears onto the Lord and they come back on their own. I don't know where they come from. So it's this ongoing. So even right now, to cast your cares. And listen, no care is too small. If the fear you named, you're like, man, I, my, I know people around me. They got greater fears than that. God knows your heart. Your cares are important to him. Why? Because God's a good father who loves his kids. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, why do we fear no evil? Because we're not afraid of death? No, that's not why. Because we like to walk in the shadow of death? No, not at all. Those verses goes on, go on, and it says, because you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you, you don't have that hope of God's presence. You don't. Your fears are all you have, and your control is the only hope you have. But listen, it doesn't have to be that way. This morning, you can turn from your control and say, Lord, I need you. Jesus, you died on the cross for my sin. I need the forgiveness that you offer. I want to be transformed and made new. For Christ followers that are here, as you hold the bread and the cup, I mean, do you really know the presence of God? Do you trust that your Father, the Creator, the King, that He knows what you need? Cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Tell God what you're worried about. Remember the cross and turn this morning from the path of worry to the path of trust. 
Let me pray for us. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. And after singing, we're going to take part in communion together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that rather than allowing fear to cause us to run away from you, but that, that this morning we'd run to you. We'd run away from our faulty hopes, our false idols, and we'd run into your arms, into your care, that we would hide ourselves in you and trust in you today because we can see that you are good, that your promises are true, that in the midst of the fear and the chaos that we have an anchor and a hope in you because of the cross where you took our fear and our sin and our shame and everything changed that day. And so we celebrate that now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?